So with that, I would like to introduce um, Dave Lindy. Again, Dave is the uh, director of placement and um, has been our guide through the whole search process um, as we lead this installation service. Thank you. Good morning. It's really a privilege to be here, and I thank you for the opportunity. Good to be here on this sort of culminating occasion of the whole pastoral transition process of the last two years. My name is Dave. Uh, my wife Kathy is with me this morning as well, and uh, I've been on the staff of the North Central District for 21 years. It's my pleasure to work with congregations like yours in the pastoral transition process. Uh, my thanks as well to Dan and the search team for all your labors over these many months. My thanks to Ron, to Heather, for your ministry here in this congregation during this interim season. And Micah, Kasha, welcome you and, and your sons. Uh, so good to have you here and so good to be here on this occasion. Well, uh, it, uh, an installation service is basically a dedication service. It's like pounding a mile marker alongside the path of your journey as a church. And it's just noting together, this is where we are as a church. We're going to thank God on this occasion. We're going to ask God for things going forward. And we're just going to remember some truths from his word that will help us in considering the past and going forward in the future. And typically, a charge is given to the pastor, a charge is given to the congregation in an installation service, and I've been asked to do both of those charges today. Now, Micah, congregation, my charges don't assume that you don't know these things. Uh, it's a good review for all of us, a good review for me. Please be assured I'm preaching to myself today. I'm actually going to weave the two charges together. So when I'm charging Micah congregation, I want you to listen in. When I'm charging the congregation, Micah, I want you to listen in. As a backdrop to both charges, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 11, Gospel of Mark chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. I'm going to read to verse 21, and then I'm going to pause. And these verses, 11 to 21 of Mark chapter 11, are the backdrop for both of my charges this morning. The context is Jesus is entering Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, you may know it as. He's entering Jerusalem as the king. So Mark chapter 11, please listen for a back and forth between temple, fig tree, temple, fig tree. Verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, 
for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. You see, our king is looking for fruit in his temple. And the first thing he does when he enters the city is to go to the temple. He wants to see what's going on in the temple. He wants to have a look around. And the fruit he's looking for is prayer. And prayer participated in by people from all the nations. But Jesus finds neither. What he finds, basically, is money and the heart attitude toward money. That's the opposite of prayer and all nations. And the king's response is shown in the fig tree. This is the reason why Mark shows us the interchange between temple and fig tree. The fig tree is a picture of what the king is about to do with the unbelieving portion of God's old covenant people, ancient Israel. What's going to happen as the context, which we don't have time to go into today, what's going to happen is that judgment will be coming on the old covenant unbelieving people and their temple is going to be destroyed. So our king is looking for fruit in his temple. Micah, congregation, you want to be fruitful, right? You want to be fruitful in this new season from this mile marker forward, just as you have been in the past. And in the following verses, our king gives us a remarkable invitation to remarkable fruitfulness. Let me read the next four verses for you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to give a charge to Micah. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Micah, I, I want us to pause and just let the profoundness, the strikingness of Jesus' words here sink in. The first thing he says is, have faith in God, and he goes to the root of things. You see, the leaders of the nation who were responsible for the vitality of the temple worship, they had lost faith. They were unbelieving. And so Jesus tells the nucleus of the new covenant people, the disciples, to have faith in God. And then he gives this jolting invitation about faith, about moving the mountain. And then he connects it to prayer. He invites us to faith by considering moving a mountain, and then he connects that to prayer. Why does he connect it to prayer? Because the temple was to be a house of prayer for all nations. He didn't find prayer there. And so he's teaching his disciples to have faith. He challenges their faith with a mountain, and then he says, express it in believing prayer. Our king's remarkable invitation is to believe, to pray, and to forgive. Faith prompts the praying and the forgiving. The fruit that our king is looking for is fundamentally, basically, at its root, at the core, prayer and forgiveness. Prayer and forgiveness are a fruit, and then prayer and forgiveness in turn lead to greater fruit. If prayer is absent, if forgiveness is absent, further fruitfulness will be hindered. And so, Micah, I want to focus this morning my charge to you in this way. Micah, would you grow deeper in prayer? that arises from faith? Would you grow deeper in faith-filled prayer? Now, I'm not assuming, brother, that you don't pray. I know you do. I'm just charging you to grow deeper. There's room for all of us to grow deeper in faith-filled prayer. And we'll circle back to see how I think this is fitting on this occasion of installation. But let's just pause and dwell on Jesus' words here. Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Now, he's not asking us to curse fig trees. And he's not asking us literally to move mountains. Jesus, the king, alone has the prerogative of levying curses. But he takes the idea of speaking to the tree and he morphs it into a lesson for his disciples. And the lesson is to have faith in God and he gives us a parallel between the tree and the mountain. There's a parallel because in the same way that it was unusual for Jesus to talk to a fig tree and have it wither, it's unusual for disciples of Jesus to talk to a mountain and have it move. There's a parallel, but there's a difference. The mountain's bigger than the tree. There's something bigger, in a sense, for Jesus' disciples to do than what he did. 
He doesn't call us to curse fig trees. He calls us to move mountains. He moves from the relatively small to the very large. He moves from what he alone can do to what we can do. He moves from old covenant to new covenant. He moves from condemnation to invitation, from failure to opportunity, from fruitlessness in the temple to fruitfulness in the new temple. And that faith is to be expressed in prayer. Prayer that believes to the extent of believing that God has already answered while we pray. Now, I don't know about you, this passage raises some questions in my mind. We'll circle back to that in a little bit. But I don't want the questions to derail us just now. Our king is giving us, Micah, your king is giving you a remarkable invitation to remarkable fruitfulness in your ministry in Grand Rapids. I, and I give you this charge. I think this charge is fitting and appropriate today because it goes to the heart of your ministry. Uh, I understand that you had a classic car show here this weekend, right? So Kathy and I arrived late yesterday afternoon, early evening, and I was disappointed that I missed it. I like classic cars. I know hardly anything about them, except I like to look at them. And there are a few things prettier to look at than, uh, say, a 1955 Chev, a 1957 Chev, two-tone, perfect paint job, sparkling chrome. I really like it. But if that classic car has an engine that doesn't run, or doesn't run well, and it can't be driven anywhere. Its looks aren't worth much. A church that has the ability to look really attractive in many ways, and there's nothing wrong with that, but whose engine, or Micah, a pastor, who can look good in many ways, but whose engine, whose heart, the, 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 the core of, of who you are, as a pastor, if that doesn't run well, fruitful, fruitfulness will be hindered. And so I give you this charge because I think it goes to the heart of things. I think it's foundational. So, Micah, would you cut an early groove of prayer here in your ministry? As your ministry begins, as you're getting your sea legs in ministry, as you're developing patterns and so on, would you cut a groove? Would you cut a pattern of prayer early in your ministry? You know, as I do, that there's going to be a lot of competition for that. There's going to be a lot of things that work, not, not intentionally, not maliciously, but really and definitely a lot of things that work to, to derail you from that, to prevent you from that, to marginalize prayer from your life. Emails, texts, meetings, administration, persons, not to mention the busyness and overload that is part and parcel of our life in today's world. So would you cultivate prayer, brother, as your go-to, as your foundation and your framework for all of life and ministry? Would you see here in Jesus' words the gravity of, the fig tree was cursed. 
Would you see the opportunity? The mountain can be moved. Would you see the priority? The first thing that Jesus teaches in the transition from old to new covenant. And then Micah, going forward, would you see the strategy? And that strategy needs to be worked out by you in, in consultation with your fellow leaders and the congregation. Would you, would you see the strategy for growing deeper in prayer that arises from faith? Micah, Kasha, and your sons, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're serving in this congregation and in this community. And it's my pleasure to be here as we mark this occasion. I'm thanking God for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm trustful that you will be growing deeper in prayer that arises from faith. God bless you. Now this is the part where uh, I get to respond to Dave's challenge there, so I just get to simply say, okay, and walk away. Uh, <laughs> but not really. Uh, so so uh, um, some of you might know this. So, so Dave and I have actually known each other for almost 10 years here. It was 10 years ago where after my wife and I had first gotten married, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Wisconsin that I called uh, Dave. I got his name from a friend of mine who was a pastor here in the EFCA North Central District, and uh, I was frankly just trying to pray through and discern what the Lord had for us next on, on our journey, especially my wife and I as we started our life and marriage and ministry together. And so uh, I started conversations with Dave that have now lasted 10 years. So I will break those down slowly, which no, I won't. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Dave and I, so we actually have, have talked uh, several times over the last 10 years. He's really walked through this journey with me as we uh, left our ministry in Wisconsin, as we were in Oregon. For, for five and a half years as we moved to our ministry in Cheyenne and now as the Lord has brought us here. And so, so Dave has really walked this journey with me uh, as well as has, of course, walked this journey here with this church. And so it's been very cool to, to see and, and walk with Dave in that. Uh, now, in that 10 years time, this is a, a sign and indication of our age. This is literally the second time I've actually met Dave face-to-face. -face. <laughs> so so uh, in the 10 years of all of our conversations together, we've never had coffee. We've never sat down. This is it. So, so uh, but it's been, it's been an awesome journey, um, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, I did want to respond, uh, as, as Dave had said, that we would have this time, and I would have this time to respond. Um, and I'm grateful for, for the, the charge, uh, and the charge is uh, here to believe and pray, to, have, to grow deeper in prayer that arises from faith, uh, a long time ago, actually, I learned in pastoral ministry that that prayer is critical, obviously not only to see God move, but even in the life and health and faith of my own walk with him, uh, that, that there are many um, that actually in terms of pastoral care and self-care, uh, I learned rhythms in my ministry in Cheyenne, especially of taking that time to pray. And a lot of it actually came out here from Acts 6. And in, in the book of Acts, in the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, as God is establishing both his universal church and local churches, uh, we see there's actually an issue with the local church that uh, a lot of people come up to the elders, they come up specifically to Peter and the other apostles, and they say, hey, we have these issues, and this is Peter's response in Acts 6.3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we 
we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, what I love about that um, is that Peter here actually, and, and for, for pastors, and I believe uh, as really a model for pastors and elders to follow, uh, sets the top priorities and lets the priorities be the priority of saying that it is not our job to do everything in the church. It's not our job to, to do everything. It's not our job to, to actually even in that sense build the church. It's of course Christ's job to build the church as he's the one who does it. And in Ephesians, it's our job to equip you. And, and I know of course uh, Pastor Phil Hall or Phil Hall had said this uh, several months ago in Ephesians 4 that it's our job as elders and pastors to equip you actually, to build the church. That's your job, our job, and our call, our role is to shepherd you, to equip you, and very frankly here, as it says, to pray, to have the ministry of prayer and the word. And so I gladly accept that challenge, this charge from you, Dave. I, I accept the charge to pray, to carve out this prayer for, for the people, um, to grow deeper in my prayer walk that arises from faith with the Lord. I accept that challenge gladly. And in the, actually Ezekiel 34, I wanted to jump here real quick. Uh, years ago, uh, God had actually challenged my own faith and my own walk as a pastor and a shepherd and what I sought to be in service to him uh, several decades ago. And specifically this passage, the Lord hit me between the eyes a long time ago, and I wanted to share that here with you this morning. But as we go there, and if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ezekiel 34. As you go there, uh, I did want to say that I believe, and, and we'll talk a lot about this as, as time goes on, that I believe that in the New Testament, especially, you see the terms elders, pastors kind of used interchangeably. And I believe that there's a, the, the purpose and reason for that is that uh, if someone is a pastor of the church, so Pastor Steve, myself, uh, or the elders of the church, Quentin, Dan, Larry, um, of course, Matt, and uh, Ron, um, currently, that, that whether we're paid pastors or unpaid pastors, whether we're paid elders or unpaid elders, we're the same. That, that this plurality of elders, that, that the elders and myself are called to lead and to shepherd and to guide this church. And we take that responsibility extremely seriously uh, because as the Lord, uh, and this is here in Ezekiel 34, uh, he had some charges against the shepherds of Israel and uh, really some, some issues that they had, verse 7 of Ezekiel 34. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my, she my sheep at their hand to put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. You see, there was an indication here earlier in this passage that the shepherds weren't feeding the sheep. They were actually feeding themselves on the, they were eating the sheep. And that is not my desire. That is not the desire of the elders, leaders of this church. We do not want to abuse you. We don't want to use you. We don't want to feed ourselves or our egos or our praise off of you. Sadly, that happens a lot in the ministry where uh, whether it's from people pleasing or the desire to get the applause and the praise of man, or whether it's very simply um, and very tragically, uh, literally using and abusing people, that is not our heart. Our heart is to equip you and ultimately to point you to Jesus. You see, because I am not actually the pastor of this congregation, the elders are not the pastors of this congregation. We are not your shepherds, ultimately, Jesus is. He's my shepherd and he's your shepherd. And that's exactly what it says here following on Ezekiel 34, verse 11. 
For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Jumping ahead to verse 22. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. We won't go there, but by the way, this passage has a lot to talk about, not just how shepherds lead the sheep, but it also talks about the flock and how you guys treat each other. You should read that because it's kind of scary as well. But (laughs) verse 23, I will set up one shepherd over them, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. And it is with that, that the elders and myself, we look to the Lord to be our shepherd and to be your shepherd. That I am not your pastor. Ultimately, I'm certainly not your savior or Messiah or any of those things, and neither are the elders. We are here merely to point you to Jesus, to look to Jesus, to follow Jesus. And with that, in that ministry of the word and that ministry of prayer, and I accept that charge again from you, Dave, to do so. And I, you know, as I was actually explaining what this day is to my son here this morning, I talked about that this is kind of the wedding day between a pastor and a church. So this is the wedding day, if you will, that, that term of installation, as, as, and I love that illustration that Dave gave of that mile marker. Uh, but I really think of, I mean, I've been installing, we are obviously moving into our new house, so I'm installing a lot of things. <laughs> so so I've, I've really, that mental image of the drill, of, you know, right into the wall, right? That is, we are covenanting with you as you covenant with us. And believe, and I just want to make a tangent here for, I believe that's what church membership actually all is, that our God is a covenant God, that as a covenant God, he desires his people to be covenant people with him and with one another, that when you join a local church body, when you become a member of a local church body, it is literally your moment to stand before that church and say that we covenant with you, we desire to build this church, we desire to edify this church, we desire to be a part of this church, and then the church as a whole covenants back and says, we accept you and we will be a part of you. We will feed into your life, we will care for you, we will minister to you as you minister to us. It's that covenant relationship together between a person and their family and their church. That's what membership ultimately is, and that is what we get to do, that's what I get to do here today, that I covenant with you And I accept your charges, Dave, and I covenant with all of you that I seek to be a member and a leader and a shepherd of this church. And with that, I actually wrote vows. So (laughs) uh, until the Lord calls us home or the collective agreement of sending to another ministry, I vow to believe, pray, and forgive, to make priority the ministry of the prayer and of word to humbly break before the Lord, asking for his intercession and guidance for myself, my marriage, my family, the elders and ministry leaders of this church and this church as a whole. To look to him in prayer, in his spirit, in his word, to be my shepherd and to be our shepherd together and to do all that I can to lead my own heart, my family, and this church to Christ through his word, by his spirit, and all we do to equip you to build this church up into maturity in the head who is Christ. Well, congregation, as we dwell on Jesus' teaching here, 
I want to continue in the same theme, and I simply want to say to you, as the first part of my charge to you, grow deeper in prayer that arises from faith. Surprise, surprise. You see, because one of the best things you can do for your pastor is doing things with your pastor. I've charged him to grow deeper in prayer that arises from faith, and I charge you to do the same thing because that will be one of the best things you can do for him is to continue to grow deeper in prayer. Now, Jesus' words here about the mountain moving and about believing that we have already received what we're asking for, we need to stop for a moment, I think, because the, the, the passage is an exclamation point from our Lord. He's jolting us here in a very good way to believe him and to put that faith into practice in prayer. But the exclamation point, at least for me, is accompanied by some question marks. Maybe for you too. How do we, how do we respond to this teaching of his rightly? How do we not misunderstand, misuse it, misapply it, or even abuse it? Well, as so often, there are two ditches I think we need to avoid as we try to stay on the path that Jesus is calling us to here. And these two ditches are both eliminated by Jesus' teaching and the context. We don't have time to go into the context. But the context does eliminate these ditches. On the one side, we must not fall into the ditch of prosperity theology. Name it and claim it theology. Jesus is not saying whatever we speak, whatever we say, that's going to come about. Jesus is not calling us to a mistaken kind of grandiosity here. Nor is he saying that every mountain will be moved and, and the church can simply walk down the path and be kicking mountains and hills out of the way. Following Jesus is not smooth sailing. Following Jesus is not the absence of every mountain and hill. Jesus is not saying every mountain will be moved. Jesus is saying even mountains can be moved. But the other ditch that we want to stay out of is ignoring his teaching here. Explaining it away. Letting the question marks overwhelm the exclamation point. And so let's beware of the ditches of misusing the passage and disusing the passage. Let's embrace his invitation. So congregation, how can you be trusting God in prayer? How can you be trusting God in prayer at this juncture of the life of your church with a new pastor and all of the changes that that brings with it? What mountains might there being, uh, what, what mountains might there be that need to be moved congregationally, collectively? How might that be discerned collectively with your leaders? Congregation, how do you need to grow deeper in faith and in prayer? And remember, I'm not assuming you're not praying. I'm talking about going deeper. How might you need to do that individually, in your family, in your close circle of friends and fellowship?
in your small group. Grow deeper in the prayer that arises from faith. And as Jesus says at the end of this passage, grow deeper not only in prayer but in forgiveness. Forgiveness. You see how Jesus connects forgiveness to prayer? Verse 25, whatever you, whenever you stand praying, forgive. Whenever you stand praying, see the posture? Seems to be indicating a collective gathering of disciples and they're standing formally in prayer. Forgive, he says. Now we don't have time this morning to unpack everything about forgiveness, but I want you to see how foundational it is. At the very beginning, with the nucleus of, of, of his new covenant people, our king is saying, trust God, express it in prayer, and express it in forgiveness. When I forgive, I let someone off the hook of justice. Because I trust God's justice. Either justice at the cross or justice at the final judgment. God will carry out his, his justice, and that frees me up to be open-armed, to reconcile. Why does Jesus include it here? Well, it's one of the most basic expressions of faith, have faith in God, and it's one of the basic fruits of following Jesus. Brothers, sisters, are we evangelicals known for this? in our society? Coast to coast, does our society, does our culture say, you know those evangelicals? You know, one thing about them is they are a forgiving people. Jesus expects us to be known by that. He expects us to be known as a praying, forgiving people. That's why he includes it here. And it's a test of faith. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, the biggest mountain to be moved in our lives has to do with forgiveness. And the lack of forgiveness, unforgiveness, undermines faith, hinders prayer, and thwarts fruitfulness. So congregation, in support of Micah and his ministry, in support of Micah's family, Grow deeper in prayer and forgiveness that arise from faith. So, what forms are working well for you in prayer that need to be continued? What changes might there need to take place in your own life, in your family, in your close circle of friends, in your congregation as a whole? Is busyness marginalizing prayer, the busyness and overload of our culture threatens the heart of our faith. We must counter it or it will overwhelm us. And finally, I just remind you, congregation, as you put this mile marker uh, in uh, next to the pathway of your journey, as you celebrate all that God has been doing in the past and in the last couple of years and now going forward with Pastor Micah, would you just remember there are people in your circle of influence, there are people all over Grand Rapids and this region 
who have no idea of who Jesus is, who have no idea of the wisdom and incisiveness of his teaching, who have no wisdom like this to turn to, who have no promise like this to hold on to. They don't know anything about the treasure that we are talking about today. And we have the privilege, maybe this is a mountain to be moved in our lives, we have the privilege of sharing this treasure. As you walk forward in this new season of your lives together, would you grow deeper in faith and forgiveness, uh, grow deeper in prayer and forgiveness that arise from faith? And would you all, as a congregation with Pastor Micah, Share that treasure with others. Amen. Thanks, Dave. As he talked about, and uh, even Pastor Mike talked about, we have a role in this as a church. Uh, one of the easy things for us to do would be to sit back and sort of relax now that we have a pastor, a full-time pastor here uh, to sort of say, Phew, now we can just let off the gas and, and let Micah and Kasha sort of take over. And that's not what I hear Pastor Dave ta or Dave saying uh, is our job. And I'm not seeing that in Scripture. And I'm not hearing Pastor Micah uh, say that when he talks about how he sees us as a congregation. So we have a role in this and a commitment to uh, work alongside and work with so today we're going to acknowledge that a little bit as part of this service. And so I'd like you to stand uh, as we kind of commit to some things, as we commit to doing some work. And so you'll, uh, you'll have the opportunity to listen to me as I read this and then an opportunity to respond. So here we go. We, the family of believers of the Grand Rapids Evangelical Free Church, receive with joy Micah and Kasha Labovich, whom we have called to be our pastor family. We commit ourselves to participating with them in the ministry of our church by striving to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace by saying only those things that build up the church, by supporting them in our prayers, and by diligently using our gifts in ministry. If you agree and commit, say we do. We commit ourselves to provide for their material needs in a manner that reflects our respect for good spiritual leadership, diligent teaching of the truth on their part, and uh, that enable them to give themselves to ministry here. If you agree and commit, say we do. We commit ourselves to speak respectfully of our pastor. If we have reason to be concerned about him or the conduct of his ministry, we will first seek to fully understand the issue by speaking personally, respectfully, and lovingly with him. If you agree and commit, say we do. We commit ourselves to work together to realize God's desires for our church, in our community, our state, and the world. If you agree and commit, say we do. All right, you may be seated, thank you, while uh, we have the elders and pastors and others come up, and Pastor Micah and Kasha come up, and while we have an opportunity to pray for them.
Lord, we're grateful for this, uh, this day. It's been a long time coming, and we know that you've paved the way in ways that we know about and that we don't know about, um, that you've made uh, your presence in the process clear, that you brought the right people to the search team, that you brought the right leadership to the search team, and over and over again, you just have proven your faithfulness to this church. And uh, you've proven that you care about us and that you love us and you want what's best for this church. And it's manifested today in uh, Pastor Micah and Kasha being here. And God, I know that there is uh, work out there that the enemy isn't excited about this ministry. He's not excited about this church. Uh, and I think that just proves that, that you're at work here. And God, I pray that your kingdom will just continue to be advanced, that we'll, uh, as a church, um, commit to being uh, prayerful uh, in, uh, in and for and with Pastor Mike and his family, that we would uh, model that forgiveness and that we'll trust in you, just like we heard Dave, Dave talk about today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we join our hearts in, in thanking you for Pastor Micah, for his, his passion, Lord, for you, for the kingdom, Lord, for, for spreading the good news of your life, Lord. Father, we thank you for, for bringing him to us. Lord, we also thank you for, for Kasha, for her, her kindness, her gentleness, but also her deep strength, Lord, to, to be able to speak the truth into people's lives. Lord, thank you for bringing them into, into our midst to guide us, to lead us, and to shepherd us. Thank you, Father. Father God, we, we do thank you so much for bringing Pastor Micah to us. We thank you for the hard work that the search team went through and the many hours of listening to sermons and, and finally landing on the man that you, you chose for us. We just pray that their ministry will be fruitful, that we will fall in love with him and his family as they will with this congregation. And we just pray this through your son's name. Lord, I echo these words of thanks, these words of asking. Thank you for all that you've done, what you will do. Please protect Micah, Kasha, their sons, please protect this congregation. Lead them forward into wonderful fruitfulness, Lord, one day at a time, trusting in you. And we thank you for what you will do. Heavenly Father, we celebrate today as that mile marker. And as we look back, we see your faithfulness in this church. And we just look ahead, Lord, and we just ask for continued guidance and direction that we would be in your will, and that the Spirit would guide us and direct us to a fruitful ministry here in your name. And Father, we're reminded of the great promise of the Gospel of Matthew, that you are building your church, the living Jesus building his church in the gates of hell. Even the attack of demons will not stop the growth and the building of your church. So with that great promise, we dedicate these moments, and we stand with Mike and Kasha, that you will build your church through them and the elders here, and we will remember to thank you and rejoice in what you're doing. So we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
everyone can sit down and have Mike and Kasha maybe stay up here. And one of the traditions that IPM has started, and it's in the Evangelical Free Church, I think, as well, is they pass the baton. And symbolizing, of course, the baton is used in the sport of track and field. If some of you have been watching that over the last week or so here. But the baton is passed from one runner to another. Really, maybe all the elders should be up here and pass this to them because it is a collective matter of eldering. So we've even one moment, uh, one evening at an elder meeting, I called all the elders pastors, and one of the elders said, well, that sounds weird, but it's true. As we pass the baton to you this morning, Micah, I think of two exhortations. Peter wrote this, the apostle. Shepherd the flock as a fellow elder, an elder among elders, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Then, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, Paul writes to a young pastor, Timothy, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That likely is the gospel and the body of truth that is, of course, connected to it. So with that, I'll pass the baton to Micah this morning. It reads, the installation of Pastor Micah Labovich, Grand Rapids Evangelical Free Church, July 31st, 2022. Let's welcome the, him this morning and Kasha. Thank you. 